I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And as you turn there, think about the question, what is true joy? What is true joy? How can we have true joy? How can we learn to live for the joy that the Lord gives? And God is good to give joy to His children who seek it in Him. How can we learn to live for the joy the Lord gives His children? And help us, and, and how can we learn to, to have the Lord's help in not seeking the happiness that the world offers and cannot deliver? We've been seeing the answers to those questions and those kinds of ideas in these early verses of Philippians 1. Paul writes this letter to the believers at Philippi, and it is filled with markers, with reminders, with indicators of of the joy that Paul knew. And we've been seeing the answers to these questions, what is true joy and how can we have it in, in Paul's example in the way he lived his life, in the words that he wrote to these believers at Philippi. And we've seen that true joy can only be found by people who are saints in Christ. True joy is really only for those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And true joy is for people who are servants of Jesus Christ, who have truly surrendered themselves, as we just sang. True joy is for those who truly surrender themselves to doing the Father's will, to being obedient to God, who are servants of Jesus Christ and who serve for God's glory and for the good of others in Christ. And true joy is for people who know the source of true joy. It's for people who know the source of joy and and that it's only through the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We've also seen here that true joy is for people who are thankful to God, for people who, who give gratitude to God in prayer, who, who are grateful to, God's, for, uh, to God for His many blessings, but especially the blessing of other people that He has put in our lives. That we would be thankful for God's people around us, that we would be thankful for the people that he has put in our lives and that we would honor him and that way will bring us true, true joy. We've also seen here that it's for people who humble themselves before God in prayer. People who humble themselves before God in prayer find true joy because they are, they are reminded as they pray that, that God is about accomplishing his will in us and through us and around us. And people who find true joy are content with what God gives and humble themselves before Him in prayer asking for what He would give that is good and good for them. And it's for people who partner with other believers in service to God. True joy is for those who partner with other believers, who serve alongside other believers in service to God for the sake of the gospel. And we've seen that true joy is for those whose confidence is in the Lord, not in themselves. Confidence in the Lord brings true joy, knowing that He is doing a good work, that He has done great things, and that He will do great things. And that's what we've seen in these first six verses of Philippians 1, and now we continue here this morning, and we're going to see the joy that Paul had was also a result of truly loving people. 
Truly loving people, to know true joy, God's word shows us that we have got to learn to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've got to learn to love people. And we have a powerful example of how to love people in the example of Paul here in verses 7 and 8, which we're going to look at this morning, and that's where we'll focus our attention today, verses 7 and 8. But let's begin. I want to back up and go all the way to back to verse 1. Let's begin our reading with verse 1. Do you have your copy of God's Word? Is it open with me to Philippians chapter 1? Let's look at verses 1 through 11 this morning, and then we'll focus our attention on verses 7 and 8. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now when we think of Paul, we might think of a man of strength. He strongly, faithfully, boldly proclaimed the gospel through even the most adverse circumstances. And though he suffered through shipwrecks and imprisonments and beatings, his faith never wavered. His obedience to God stood fast. He stood firm. He was bold. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth even when the truth wasn't popular. He was a man of firm convictions, and those convictions were grounded in his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul also, as we see here, and as we will continue to see here in Philippians, was a man of great joy. He was joyful. And he was joyful in part because of his deep love for the Philippian believers. And this is why we hear him say in verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And so I want you to see this morning that there are five characteristics. I see five characteristics of Paul's love for people that resulted in true joy for him. And this can lead to our joy. If we will get these right, if we will take a lesson from Paul's example... I think we'll find true joy as we learn to love people as God's Word commands us to. First of all, I want you to note Paul's love was Christ-like. Paul's love, it was Christ-like. Paul's deep affection 
deep affection and love for the believers at Philippi was Christ-like, and it was Christ-like because it was obedience to God's command. It wasn't that Paul simply felt this way. Certainly he had strong feelings for these friends from Philippi, these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ. Certainly he had strong feelings for them, but it wasn't simply that he felt like loving them. It wasn't that he simply felt this way, but it was his obligation before God to love these people to whom and with he had ministered. He had ministered to these people. He had ministered alongside these people. He was still hoping to minister alongside these people, and his love for them was an act of obedience to God. And this is the same kind of love God requires of all of his children. In 1 John 4.11, we're told, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We have God's command that we are to love one another. It's what Paul was doing. He was loving the people, the believers at Philippi, with whom he had served, to whom he had served, and, and he was loving those whom he'd hoped to serve alongside again. And so Paul's love for the Philippian believers was an act of obedience to God, and his communicating his love for them had to be a great encouragement to them. It's an encouragement to us when those who who love us come alongside of us and say, hey, I I really appreciate you, I I really care a lot about you, and you mean a lot to me. That's encouraging. I think these people, these believers who first received this letter at Philippi were greatly encouraged by, by Paul's affection for them. But I want you to note that first. It was christ like Love. It was obedience to God's command that he loved them. And the thoughts and feelings of the heart reveal what we really are. The phrase, I hold you in my heart, refers to his feelings and thoughts. I hold you in my heart. Certainly he felt strongly for them. Certainly he held them dear. And those thoughts, of course, those feelings of the heart reveal what what Paul really was. Matthew 15, 19 tells us that if the heart is evil, that's what will be revealed when it says, for, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Those things come from the heart. What we are will be shown in, the, in what we love. What we are will be shown in what we love. But a life instructed by and obedient to God's Word reveals something different than what we hear from Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. A life instructed by and obedient to God's Word reveals something far different. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Beloved, this is what we ought to aim for, this this pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith, that our love for one another would be genuine, that it would be Christ-like, that it would be obedience to God, that we love one another, but it would be, be grounded in and founded in this powerful reminder that we have pure hearts and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's what we see in Paul. There's a sincerity in his love for the Philippian believers that goes far beyond sentimentality. And so it wasn't just that Paul had a special feeling for them. Oh, I feel strongly for you. (laughs) It wasn't that Paul was trying to gain their favor for more support. But this, 
this love that we see demonstrated in his words, his love for them was an overflow of obedience to God from the heart. Listen, this ought to direct our lives. This ought to direct our relationships. Our desire to be obedient to God ought to grow our love for people. Ought to grow our love for the people around us. Let this be an encouragement to you. Be certain that your love for one another in the home and in the church is Christ-like. That means that you should seek to have a deep and sincere love for people that isn't easily offended. Oh, how easy it is to be offended. And God's people ought to have thick skin. God's people ought to know how to overlook an offense. You need to practice the kind of love that overlooks an opportunity to have your feelings hurt. If we're going to love obediently, if we're going to love people as God loves us, we're going to be willing to overlook having our feelings hurt, overlooking an offense. And as believers in the body of Christ, as we grow more Christ-like, we will be bound together in unity in Christ. This is as God intends. When we are obedient, we will be bound together and we will be powerful together for the sake of the gospel. And when our love for one another is Christ-like, true joy will follow. This brings us to another characteristic of Paul's love. Paul's love was for those who labored with him in Christ. He loved those who labored with him in Christ and for the sake of the gospel. The Philippian believers had stood by Paul through his imprisonment and also through his defense of the gospel. That's what we see here in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again where it says, For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers with me of grace. And this defense and confirmation of the gospel could be referring to Paul defending himself during his imprisonment and trial in Rome, or it could have referred to his ministry in general of defending the gospel. Whatever the case, it's clear that these believers, these co-laborers, were partakers with Paul of God's grace. They partnered with Paul in the fellowship of the gospel, in the spread of the gospel. They shared in the same gift of salvation that Paul had, and they also participated in Paul's ministry. They partnered with Paul in spreading the gospel as well as sharing the gospel themselves. The Philippians were faithful co-laborers for Christ with Paul. What a, what a huge encouragement that had to be to Paul. And what an encouragement to the Philippian believers to have him reminding them that, that we're in this together. We serve for the sake of the gospel together. We are co-laborers. We are partners. They were there in the good times and when things got difficult. And they had a special bond with Paul from all the joys and from all the difficulties they shared. 
And often we find that that's true. You can have a special bond with someone you experience great joy with and and rejoice with, but there is even a deeper bond. There is even a more special bond that, that grows between people who suffer together, who face hardship together, who face trials together, and come out the other side. And the example of the Philippian believers who stood by Paul, even in adversity, is one that we should imitate. You need to persevere through the difficulties with your family. You need to persevere through the difficulties in your marriage. You need to persevere through the difficulties with your children, with your parents, with your friends, with your extended family. And in God's church, you need to persevere through the difficulties instead of saying, I quit. Shame on us when we say, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I'm going to find another church, or I'm going to find another spouse, or I'm going to give up on you. Shame on us. God never turns his back on us. God is faithful to his word, to do his work, when we will humble ourselves before him. And instead of walking away from your family when dissatisfied, Instead of walking away from your spouse when dissatisfied, instead of walking away from the church when dissatisfied, you need to be people who are faithful and committed and seeking to honoring God in every area of your life. We need to learn what it is to know the love of faithful friends, friends whom we serve among and with and alongside, and for their encouragement and for their joy. If we truly want to lead people to Christ... I hope that's the desire of every believer in this room, that we really, truly want to see people trust in Christ. If we truly want to see people trust in Christ in this community, if we truly want to see lives changed for God's glory and for their good, we must be committed to faithfulness to God and for Christ in our relationships, in our homes, in God's church. And what's incredible about this is when we do... God's joy comes. God is gracious to give us his joy. This points us to the next characteristic of Paul's love. Paul's love was sincere. His love was sincere. This is another reason for Paul's joy. In verse 8, he says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all. His, his love was sincere. It wasn't a put-on. It wasn't a fake. God knew Paul's heart and Paul knew God knew his heart. Paul's love was so true that he could say with confidence, God is my witness. His love for them was genuine. It was not an act. He wasn't just trying to flatter the Philippian believers for what he could get out of them. This isn't the kind of sincerity that It's not the kind of sincerity that Tommy Smothers spoke of when he said, the best thing about getting older is that you you gain sincerity. Once you learn to fake that, there's nothing you can't do. (laughs) No, no. That's not true love. No, that's not sincerity. Sincerity cannot be faked. Benjamin Franklin said, Truth and sincerity have a certain distinguishing native luster about them which cannot be perfectly counterfeited. They are like fire and flame that cannot be painted. Now, the world 
offers many cheap substitutes for real love. And we're often told that love is based on how you feel. So when you don't feel like you're in love, you're not. And if you don't feel like you're in love, do what will make you feel like you are. And it shows itself in the kind of language that says if if you aren't happy, then you deserve to be happy. And if you're not content with where you are, then you need to, you need to look out for yourself and, and care for your own needs and forget about the people around you and just look out for number one. And it's about your emotions. And if where, where you are isn't doing it for you, then you need to get someplace where it's doing it for you, where you're happy, where you're having your needs met. That's what the world tells us. But that's not true biblical love. Christ-like love comes from hearts that are seeking to know and obey God's word. Christ-like love looks to Christ who gave himself as a sacrifice for sinners. The sinless sacrifice That's the kind of love that we need to practice in our homes. That's the kind of love that we need to practice in God's church. And that's the kind of love that we need to practice if we want the joy that God promises. Now let's note also that Paul's love filled him with yearning for the benefit of other believers. Paul's love filled him with yearning for the benefit of other believers. I see it in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen, the affection of Christ Jesus is for our good. We ought to praise God that Jesus loves sinners. Paul's love filled him with yearning for the benefit of other believers. Paul yearned for the spiritual benefit of the Philippian believers. Not only did he yearn to see them again and serve with them again, but he yearned to know that they were growing in Christ. He longed to hear that they were being obedient to God's word. In Philippians 4.1, he speaks of this yearning this way, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul missed them, certainly. He missed them all, and he longed to see them all again, certainly, each one. And he did because he had a genuine, a deep love for them. He had a Christ-like love for each and every believer at Philippi. But yet he longed more than anything else for their spiritual benefit, for their spiritual growth. And if we wish to know the same joy that Paul knew, the same joy that God wants us to know, then we need the same kind of yearning, not only to be with God's people. Being with God's people is for our good but also to see them growing in Christ, that we would be with them for their good, for their joy in the Lord. This ought to be the one reason, at least one of the reasons, that we serve as part of the body of Christ. 
You ought to see that you have a place to serve in the body of Christ because not only is your service obedience to God, but it also brings great joy to God's people. It is for their joy and for your joy. One of the reasons we serve as a part of the body of Christ is so that we can encourage one another and strengthen one another in the faith because we love one another from the heart because of all that God has done for us. We love one another. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now we also see here that Paul's love was rooted in his relationship with Christ. Remember that. Paul's love was rooted in his relationship with Christ. And and this ought to be a challenge to us. This ought to be a reminder to us when something goes sideways in our love for people, then something is not right in our relationship with Christ. We are not honoring God as we should, as we must, when we aren't loving people as we should. Verse 8 shows us that Paul yearned for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. The affection of Christ Jesus, the love of Christ, was perfect. It was wholesome. He was sinless. He was sinless. He was the sinless sacrifice. His love was perfect. His love for them, as Paul yearns for the affection of Christ, with the affection of Christ, his love for them overflowed from his life because of his love for Jesus. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ's example, which Paul followed. He had a Christ-like love for them that grew from his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It grew from the example that, that Jesus set and his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And his love for the Philippian believers was actually given to him by God. It's, it's an incredible thing. When we begin to practice obedience to God, God often gives us what we need. We might find it hard to love one another, but God says love one another. And when we start taking steps of obedience, often the feelings follow later. God is gracious in that way. He had a Christ-like love for them that grew from his love of the Lord Jesus Christ and was given to him by God. And that's where our love should begin. And that's where our love should grow from. And that's where our joy will grow from. You want to know true joy? Not the kind of happiness the world gives and then takes back. You want to know the joy that lingers, that stays, that lasts, that endures? Root your life in your relationship with Christ, in your obedience to His Word, in the joy of prayer, in the joy of submission to God's Word in prayer. Root your love in that obedience to God. We're going to see in chapter 2 that Paul instructs the believers at Philippi in what it is to love like Christ. And this is what we see here in chapter 1 as he speaks of his love for them. This is why why he knew true joy. This is why we see so much joy in Paul's life. As he speaks of his love for them in in chapter 2, this is why he knew true joy. We'll see this in in chapter 2. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
Philippians 2.1, look at it if you're right there. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If we want to know the joy of the Lord... If we want to know true joy, then we need to be people who will follow the example of Christ and put ourselves on the line and to sacrifice self for the sake of others, for the sake of our families, for the sake of God's church. We need a Christ-like love if we're going to know true joy. We need to be people with tender hearts like Paul had. So, beloved, let's be people who, from our love for Christ, love our spouses, love our children, love our families, and love our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, serving Christ alongside them for their joy. And hearts that love like Paul loved will be joyful hearts. Hearts that love out of obedience to Christ will find the Lord's joy. So let's ask the Lord to grow in us a love like Paul's so that we not only will demonstrate the love of Christ to others, that that we also might know his joy. And God is gracious to give it. He is good and gracious and faithful to give His joy when we find ourselves satisfied in His love for us and being obedient to Him in our love toward others. Let's learn from Paul's example.